0: where my handle is at Turkey Hitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to part two of episode 53 How to Choose Public Land for Turkey Hunting. And I am your host, and the guy who can, and the guy that can pop both of his arms out of his shoulder socket at will. Yeah, it's a freaky little thing that I can do, and I used it to gross out all of the girls in junior high school. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in this week. This is part two of the interview with Dave Owens, who is cove from the oldgobbler.com forum, and Rob Fridley. But before we get into the interview, I want to thank my friends, Carrie Z and Rachel for having me on the Hunt, Fish, Travel podcast a few weeks ago. And part one of that episode is live now if you'd like to listen to it. She asked me to come on the show to talk about alligator hunting in Alabama. And, well, the interview kind of took a few crazy turns here and there. So I'm going to let you guys listen to it. Go to the Hunt, Fish, Travel podcast. It's a great show if you're not listening to it already. I highly recommend it. Carrie and Rachel do a great job with the show, and I think you'll enjoy it. So, thank you, Carrie and Rachel, for having me on, and I look forward to doing another show with you sometime in the not too distant future. I also want to thank Randy Anderson 95. Randy Anderson 95 left a review on iTunes for the Turkey Hunter podcast. So, I want to read that real quick. And Randy says. Five stars, the Turkey Hunter podcast review. Andy, thank you for all of your efforts in disseminating turkey hunting information through your guest interviews and personal experiences. I listen regularly and know the tips I have gleaned have made me a better turkey hunter. Great podcast. Randy Anderson, thank you very much for taking the time to leave the review on iTunes. That is much appreciated. If you guys listening have not subscribed yet, please subscribe to the show. It is free to do so, and you'll be notified as soon as a new episode is uploaded. So you'll be sure not to miss anything that's going on in the Turkey Hunter podcast. So let's get into part two of this interview. Just to bring you guys back up to speed, Rob Fridley is a friend of the show, and he recommended to me in an email that Dave Owens, who goes by the handle of Cove on OldGobbler.com, would be a good guest to have on the show to dig deeper into hunting public land. You know, I had Harold Knight on the show to talk about hunting public land, and we did that. We talked about some tips and strategies for hunting public land, but we didn't really jump into how do you pick the right piece of public land to hunt on? How do you choose that tract of land? And so that's what Rob recommended. thought it was a great idea for the show. I got in touch with Dave and called him, and we did just that. I picked up a few great tips from Dave in this part of the interview. And don't forget that the audio in this interview is not what you're used to hearing on the Turkey Hunter podcast. And we have freeconferencecall.com to thank for that which I will not be using anymore for interviewing guests. If you can live with the poor audio again this week, I'm pretty sure you won't be disappointed with the content that you're able to get from Dave. I'm getting you to the interview right now, and I will see you guys on the other side.
1: Do you typically, when you're looking at these tracts of land, say east of the Mississippi, where almost any area is going to have turkeys in it? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're blessed right now and that we do have a large population of turkeys, even though some of those populations are less today than they were five years ago. But do you look at, okay, here's a WMA over in the northwestern part of Louisiana, and it is an hour and a half or two hours away from the nearest big city. Do you look at things like that when you're looking at WMAs or public land to hunt on i don't guess there's any factor i don't look at or i don't consider I, I will say that's not one of my first as long as it's a large piece of property that i feel like i can avoid the crowds then then it doesn't concern me so much but but yeah i mean i, I can i consider everything when 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 i'm looking like i said for some reason with the exception of florida i, I just really don't Avoid the pressure, so to say. Uh, not that I don't, not that I like hunting, you know, pressured property, but it's just, I've just, I've just found that I think a lot of what people would call pressured property wouldn't be pressured property in my opinion. <laughs> After hunting South Florida, general hunt, public, I mean, a lot of what people call pressure is, you know, that gets hunted on the weekends. So I don't, I don't really concern myself and you don't find nearly as many turkey hunters during the week as you do on the weekends so right that has definitely been my experience and what you just touched on and another thing is something you hit on and you didn't dwell on it a lot and that is weather and when it's raining Mm -hmm. turkey hunters local turkey hunters are fair weather hunters i am one on my hunting property You know, my private land that I hunt, I hunt when it's not raining. But if it is raining, I am waiting on it to stop and then I'll go out. But when I'm out of state and I'm hunting out of state, I'm on a piece of private land or public land, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm hunting no matter what. Unless it's a lightning storm and then I'm not gonna risk my life over it or tornadoes. But when you are hunting these pieces of public land the locals are going to be your fair weather hunters and when it's raining you can have a lot of luck on public land and we did that in Tennessee we hunted the land between the lakes and absolutely mowed them down when it was just drizzling rain and we were there for about five or six days and it drizzled rain for about four or five of those days. And the one day that the sun was out, you could hardly find a place to park your vehicle. So when it was raining, we had that whole place to ourselves. And the turkeys were out in the fields, and they were gobbling, and they were responding to calling and just doing everything that turkeys should do and what we wanted them to do. So that's something to definitely keep in, keep in mind on public land. You've invested the time and the money to get there. You may as well put all the time you chasing birds. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was gonna. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Also, you were asking. Uh, or I was asking the questions about um, other things. Or I think maybe you were was mentioning. You know, the pressure factor. Do I take it into consideration? So I was going to try to hit on a couple things else, like, uh, especially these, you know, eastern states to where, like you were saying, there are turkeys that are kind of spread out throughout the state. You can, you can comfortably know that going anywhere in this particular, you know, national forest or whatever, there's just as likely to be a bird there as there is anywhere. And a lot of people don't know how to approach that, like a big block of national forest that may be, um you know, that may have, you know, birds all over it. A lot of people just, you know, you don't just throw a dart at a map in those type of situations either. The, most of the time what I tell people is topography is like uh, you got to figure out where the bird is going to want to do his thing the most and also figure out what is going to be most accommodating for you. Um, everybody always says when I hunt t- public property, oh, I want to cover you know, six miles in a day. I'm going to try to cover as much property as possible. I'm just going to park at this gate and go. And that is a good idea. You know, that's a good attitude to have, but it's, it's much better if you formulate a game plan ahead of time and you attack it with making sure that you're, you're traversing through and working good property and, and using the, the terrain to your advantage. A lot of these guys say it's, it could all have turkeys. I'm going to park here and just go. But typically I would, I love to be able to find like a big spine ridge or something that I can go a long distance without having to go up and down and, and exhaust myself physically. But I'm still, I'm up higher than most of everything around me. Um, I'm able to call down fingers um, of, 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 you know, property and, and cover a lot of property. But doing it wisely rather than just traveling up and down these roads. That's first off where you, you know, your other hunters are going to be traveling up and down the roads as well. And, you know, you're going to have to deal with them first off. You're either going to have to deal with the hunters or the turkeys that were, that were living along that road are already dead. So typically I like to find topography, you know, maybe a ridge or even if it's a, you know, in the low, lower country, you know, a big creek bottom that kind of winds through a lot so that you have something that you're following so that you're not reworking places that you've already worked and always going into something that, you know, something that should be turkey habitat. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great point. That was good. Rob, do you have anything else that you want to ask Dave? No, I mean, that that's about it. He's, he just appreciate you being on here. You he definitely gave myself and, not only myself, I know a lot of people out there like me that's kind of intimidated about public land. Just a lot to think about. No, no, it can happen. It can happen. And, you know, and it does like, I mean, a lot of people don't even hunt public property that's, you know, right out their back door because for some reason they're intimidated about it. I guess fortunately for me, I never had private property to really uh, traipse around on, So I had no choice if I wanted to turkey hunt then It was public land or nothing, and nothing wasn't an option for me. So, you know, you just kind of learn to adapt and kind of go with the flow, roll with the punches, I guess you could say, whether that be having to deal with people or uh, you quickly figure out there's a lot more people that, it's probably maybe terrible to say, but there's a lot more people out there that are, they like the idea of being a hardcore turkey hunter and really going and doing what it takes. But like I was I hit on earlier, a lot of these areas that that I you you hear of notoriously being pressured areas, just notoriously being a nightmare to try to kill a turkey out of. I've went to those areas and I've found out that a lot of times either <laughs> either they're doing a, a a tremendous job of reverse psychology to keep the place to their self or it's just not as bad as as it's played out. So I'm I'm you know I. I see that and, and I just, you know, last week I get on one of these hunting forums because sometimes that's the way I, I distribute my, my, uh, my pent up aggression for there not being a turkey season in on these internet forums and I get on there and a guy new to the area had to move for his job and, or lost his lease. I can't remember exactly what it was and he was gonna have to hunt public land. Just wanted to, he was really concerned about messing someone else up, which I found you know, interesting because typically that's not what's first on everybody's menu is 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 mess, you know, not messing someone up. He was really concerned with learning and wanting to do it right, and, and he was really concerned with messing somebody up being not so knowledgeable about turkeys and turkey hunting and and especially turkey hunting on public land. And it I was just blown away by the responses of the people saying, you know, don't don't hunt public land, find some private, you know, don't hunt so and so. Because uh, there's too many people. You'll end up getting shot. I got shot at, you know. My buddy got shot. They were scaring the fool out of this guy. (laughs) Going to cause him to not even try turkey hunting because he's, you know, they're going to scare him. And I just found that appalling because, I mean, this guy wasn't going to go out and possibly get involved in something that he could be as passionate about and love it as much as I do. So, I just told him, you know, the, the best advice I can give you if you're not knowledgeable knowledgeable and experienced turkey hunter and going and hunting public land is forget you're hunting public land first off and just learn about turkeys. Flat out. Go get literature on wild turkeys, learn the mannerisms, behaviors, why they do what they do. Read Joe Hutto's book, Illumination of the Flat Woods. I mean you try to get any your hands on any kind of information that teaches you about turkeys. Don't worry about the property you're gonna have to hunt. Don't worry about just learn turkeys because turkeys are going to be turkeys whether they live on a 5,000 acre pine plantation in South Georgia or whether they live in you know one of these supposedly heavily hunted swamps in Florida there's still going to be turkeys and they're still going to have a lot of the same mannerisms do the same things. so if you will know about turkeys then you're going to have a leg up on the majority of the the hunting populace because a lot of guys just just go out there you know and and then, you know, they don't, they don't practice what they preach, so to speak. And so I, that that's the advice I gave the guy was, look, go learn turkeys. Don't worry about where you're hunting or, or any of this other, you know, nonsense. Because, you know, I've I hunted turkeys all over the country and sure, there's a bad experience here and there. I've never been shot, never been shot at, never come close to getting shot as far as I know anyway. And I've hunted all over it. So I just, I just felt it was really distasteful when I read all those comments and trying and, and pushing the guy away. And I was like, Oh, they're scaring this guy to death. And, and he's, you know, not going to take part in something It'd be awesome. So. Right. Yeah. You know, you touched on something just then. And it's one of the questions I have here written down to ask you. And that is turkeys are going to be turkeys that they've got things that they, they do day in, day out. But, Turkeys, you know, in different areas do different things, and they like different things, and they respond to different calls better and that kind of thing. You know, where I hunt in southwest Alabama, if you call to a gobbler on the roost, it doesn't matter if he's got hens with him or he's by himself. You better plan on just getting up, easing out to your favorite breakfast joint, going and eat a good party breakfast for a couple hours maybe get you a nap slip on in there about 10 or 10 30 because that's when that turkey's going to think about flying down oh when he flies down he's going away from where that call came from because that hen should have walked up underneath this tree and then he was going to fly down to her but yeah where i've got some buddies in north carolina that hunt in eastern north carolina and get up there and with roosted gobblers sit down and make a few tree calls to them and the gobblers fly down right to them just at daylight and, you know, they shoot, but that never works where I am, never works. (laughs) How do you kind of overcome those type of little things? And I, I know a lot of that's trial and error because you're probably not going to find somebody that's going to tell you, don't call to a bird in this area on the roost because he's going to sit up there all day and wait on you to walk underneath him. How do you learn those little idiosyncrasies, those little differences between an eastern and southwest Alabama and an eastern and eastern North Carolina? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that, and I would say the majority of that, is all going to be experience. I mean, it's just going to be something that you kind of hash out. That's the part of uh, that learning curve that we were talking about earlier that's forever progressing with turkey hunters. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to pick up on things. As far as how I approach it, sometimes is what I, you know, birds condition themselves. People will talk about how this turkey runs from a turkey call or this turkey, he won't gobble on this day or he hears gravel popping under your tires. He's not going to gobble that day. He knows that you're here. Um, They're just birds. They just got a survival instinct and they condition themselves. When a bird's conditioned, what I have found, especially in that open terrain, I don't know if where you are hunting in Southwest Alabama is open. But a lot of times, birds in the open, even though you will find one here and there in these hardwoods and, and, and big forests, that will be, they rely a lot on visual. They don't trust their ears, it seems like. Um, and I think that's just something that they become conditioned to for some reason. Um, they, they, uh, they rely a lot on confirming, you know, everything through visual contact. So that's just something you gotta figure out. Like say, for instance, birds in, in Kansas, birds in Nebraska, you know, even, even in the, you know, in, in areas where it's got a clean understory, like those river swamps, a lot of those birds will stop and, 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 and spend hours just looking, uh, at where you're calling from because they're so used to and conditioned to having something visual. That's the way they confirm everything that, you know, a turkey, the way it stays alive is, is being nervous, in my opinion, being nervous about everything, never taking anything for granted, seeing everything as a threat. So, I think they condition themselves just according to the topography a lot of times, a lot of the terrain that they're in, like Osceolas, for instance. That's the biggest thing, I think, between private and public land. Osceolas is obviously after you get past it, having the bird to yourself or having it you know, split between a bunch of people trying to kill the same turkey, is a visual. Cause a lot of the private Osceolas are on ranches, cattle ranches. Cattle's huge in South Florida. And uh, a lot of those Osceolas are on those cattle ranches and they're flying down into like Kansas they're flying down into fields that may not have a tree for hundreds and hundreds of yards to whereas the public land osceolas are you know they use their ears a lot because it's thick you know it's thick in there and here again they're nervous about every time the sawgrass or the, the palmetto's twitch so they may not gobble as much because they're they're looking at something when when they hear you call rather than than, than uh, being uh, uh infatuated with it with a hen beside them so I think it's all about con- the, the way the turkey conditions itself. You know that some of them are more visually dependent than others. Yeah, that's what I find in West Virginia uh, hunting here in the mountains. Is we have a lot of benches, and our turkeys will—they won't come up to the top of the bench. They'll just pop their head up, and that's usually about all oh, you get. Man, and that—that's a huge thing. Where see, I hunt North Georgia mountains, which is a lot like West Virginia. It's big, big. The tops of the ridges are real sharp. Them turkeys, they—that's a lot of times all you'll see is you know waddles up. They give you that head nod, and you're supposed to be—you got to be on them when they when they crest the ridge because that's about all they're going to give you. And all you'll hear is quick footsteps afterwards. So um, mm-hmm. if you're not on them, but um, but yeah, I mean I think it's all all just you know you know it's all just about how they condition themselves to survive. You're talking about something that, you know, we think about, well, majority of people think about turkey hunting about three or four months out of a year. You're talking about trying to kill an animal that's just spent his whole life in, in, in that stuff. So he, he knows his living room and you're trying to walk in there and, and disrupt it without him knowing it. So I think it's just, uh, when you're talking about how do you approach birds in different areas, you just gotta, you know, you gotta put your hat in the ring, so to speak. Give him what you think's best. And if it ain't, lucky little turkeys have a really short memory you can try it again tomorrow (laughs) yeah true indeed well dave and rob both i've kept you for uh almost two hours this evening because we actually had a good about a 30 minute conversation before we ever started the recording for the podcast that we just were talking turkey and talking deer hunting and having a good old time so I've kept you guys both a long time, but I have a couple more things for you, Dave, if you have just a few more minutes. Uh, Yeah, I have nothing better to do than talk about turkeys, so as long as you need. (laughs) I like your style. So tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two of the things that were really keys in helping you be successful on that hunt. Uh, my last successful turkey hunt was in Michigan. Me and a friend flew up to uh, to uh Minnesota first, and we hunted Minnesota, then hunted uh, Wisconsin. Um, ended up having, I think it was two or three days extra uh, after we had gotten our turkeys there, had eventually weathered the storm and, and fought through the rain and got some pretty weather, and once we got pretty weather, things happened pretty quick. So we took off to Michigan, I think I mentioned this earlier, and I had, I had made the mistake of of uh, not really doing much research in Michigan, and was kind of flying by the seat of our pants. But we both figured, hey, what else are we going to do? We could have bought more tags in Wisconsin, but you know, we're both chasing this whole. I said, you know, this whole 49 state super slam, U.S. slam. I'm not sure even what the the proper title is, but anyway, went up there, and I was calling people on the way up. My buddy was driving, and I was on the phone and and doing. Thank goodness for technology and being able to get on the Internet and all that type of stuff from your phone and iPad or whatever nowadays. But yeah. You know, first thing that was, was, was pivotal was that whole persistence thing. When I was uh, mentioning earlier, if you do this enough, you will find people that don't want to give you information as soon as you tell them you're a turkey hunter. I found that on the national forest that I was intending on going to after I had left a few messages and finally were able was able to get someone on the phone. She was not very receptive to me being a turkey hunter, I'm assuming is the reason she wouldn't give me any information. It was just really probably the single-handedly most obvious person that wasn't welcoming to us, even though we were coming into her backyard basically to give her community money or whatever. Anyways, I stayed persistent. I ended up going, I think I spoke with a guy from the DNR. And like I said, I I think he was about the third or fourth person I talked to on the ride up. I um, told him the area that we were uh, intending on starting out. And this guy was just more than helpful. You know, I told him what our intentions were and what, you know, why we were doing what we were doing and why I know it sounded crazy, which is usually how I start all of these talks out with biologists or whatever. Look, you don't think I'm crazy, but I'm from Georgia. Yes, I'm in Michigan, Turkey County. But anyways, I got got him. He, he gave us the starting point. And told us turkey hunting wasn't big in Michigan, which was no surprise. You know, something I take into consideration everywhere I go is if you're outside the southeast, turkey hunting's not really, really important to many people. So we started knocking on doors after the first day and was able to get on a piece of property. The guy didn't mind us turkey hunting. He owned a little dairy farm. Said that he'd seen turkeys there during the winter and fewer, but there were still some turkeys around. Went in there. The first morning, uh, my buddy started on one side of the field. I started on the other, and I wasn't hearing anything right after daylight, and I was actually watching three black bears that were out in this uh, old cut cornfield there and was watching them through binoculars and heard my buddy shoot, and I sent him a text, and he messaged me over to come on over, come on over to my side of the field, share the success story, so to speak. So I was walking over there, got up there, and he had killed a nice gobbler, and we were standing there over his gobbler, and I'd be doggone if another turkey didn't gobble down in the bottom from where his came from, probably a couple hundred yards away. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said, that was a turkey gobble, wasn't it? And I think it was, and sure enough, it gobbled again, so it didn't take us long to spring into action. And then I jumped into a tree, and we got settled in there, and it didn't take us but a few minutes. He was ready to go. Him and I think it was three jakes. Just came doing whatever turkey that you dream of doing. Just gobbled to the call and came right up to. I think he was about twenty yards, or heck, he was he was close to that, was about twelve yards when when we finally ended ended the season. So that was the last turkey I killed last year in Michigan. Man, I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's and that's awesome. a, another little piece. What I've found is to be very is 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 paid off several times is when you get into these little communities, that little place that we were in in Michigan, tiny. And the same thing happened to me in Oregon. You get in, you can drive through, and you are knowing these little bitty towns and whatnot, and especially in the Midwest, in the West, where hunting is welcomed with open arms a lot of times. These small towns, maybe not turkey hunting, but big game hunting and pheasant hunting and whatnot, they rely on hunting so much for, for money, and that's the way a lot of these people's, stay in businesses is, is they're relying on the hunters to come in there and, and you know fill the rooms and, and, and eat the food and drink the coffee and whatnot so going into these little coffee shops and stuff there's people that that's what they do those locals that's what they do every day is they come in there and have a couple cups of coffee before they start their day and you get in there and you may have on camouflage or something and strike up conversation and tell them how crazy you are for being in Oregon from Georgia to turkey hunt and before you know it this guy has turkeys and or this guy knows a guy that's got turkeys and and they genuinely want to see you leave there happy. They really want to help you out. So that's another one of those little hidden resources that oftentimes will go overlook, you know, not all areas of the of the country, but a lot of the areas are welcoming to hunters and you can rely on those people in those little small towns and those coffee shops and and whatnot to help you out. Don't be afraid to strike up conversation. It may not go anywhere but you sure hadn't lost anything, you know. Right. Yeah. The worst thing they can do is tell you no. Because they're (laughs) certainly not going to kill you and eat you. So yeah, they're just going to tell you crazy for being all the way that far from home to hunt turkeys, which we already know that. So it's not anything. They're they're not breaking any news to us. So (laughs) that's exactly (laughs) Right. right. Well, tell us how if somebody wants to get in touch with you, learn a little bit more about hunting on public land in other states, or even in their own state, to get some tips and what they can do that maybe we didn't touch on during the call. How can they get in touch with you to ask some of that? Your own as I mentioned, your own old gobbler, so they can probably reach out to you there. Yeah, I'm on several of those. I've always, heck, half the people call me Cove, because that's usually my handle on those type forums, the hunting forums. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, of course, like everybody in the world. So, so you can usually find me, you know, one of those two places for sure. And I'm glad to help. Just to hit on a couple things, like there's a fine line between helping someone. I don't I don't want to be a crutch for someone. I like for someone to earn what they're doing, but I don't mind helping some, send them down the right direction or giving them some tips. But with this, like, U.S. slam or 49-state slam growing in popularity, I'm seeing more and more people wanting to jump on the bandwagon, but they're just wanting to reach out to those of us who've went down the road and, and they're looking for handouts. I don't want to do that for several reasons, but the majority, the main reason is, is you're going to miss the whole journey if you just, you know, if you just receive handouts the whole way through. If you don't hoe your own row, so to speak, then you're not really going to get those experiences that you, that's going to make the whole thing enjoyable to you. I'm glad to help somebody, but I really want you to help yourself, you know, everybody to help their self, because that's how you, uh, just gonna kind of I think it's how you become a better turkey hunter and it's and it's really gonna be and you know it's your story to share uh but if you you know if you if you're just looking for handouts then you're really i uh, missing the whole boat you know you're really missing out there and another one of those things that I was gonna hit on and then I kind of i i guess I kind of dodged the question earlier was like how many turkeys did you kill here and there, and how many turkeys have you killed, and I'm not a big numbers guy. I think because I, I, I don't do that because there's such a fine line there between being proud of what you do, and then then and then you got those that like to beat the chest and uh, and and want everybody to know what they do. I share my experiences and you know my tra- you know my travels and stuff on Facebook and a couple of those hunting forums. I will put up like an end of the year. This is what I did because I do have people that are kind of following my journey. They've seen the good, bad, and the ugly, so to speak. I'm um, doing that to, to, to inspire people. Not that I'm anything special because I'm absolutely not. I'm just your normal dude that for some reason has an infatuation with turkeys. <laughs> I wouldn't really wish it on anybody because if you have it as bad as I do. It influences and impacts every aspect of your life. But I don't do it for uh, any type of notoriety or fame or you know monetary gain I do uh, I share my experiences cuz I want to inspire people to do the same thing. I've had so much fun in what I've done so far and I don't see that changing with uh hopefully completing this whole thing, you know, with if not next year hopefully the next. It's easy to talk about it. I like to hear other people say um I've had several people, "Hey, because of you, because of watching what you do, or you and and so-and-so, you've inspired me, I'm going to start on my state slam next year. I'm going to start, I'm going to quit hitting the same place that I know where the turkeys are already and I know what they're doing, and I'm going to start hunting new terrain. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't do it to beat my chest or say that I'm any better than uh, than anybody else, because I'm not. The only thing that I do that's different than what everybody else has, has the ability to do i just do it a lot more (laughs) i try to make sure i've unfortunately in a lot of aspects spent my whole life making sure that i am fully available for spring time turkey hunting i hunt every single day maybe not all day every day you got to work a little bit right now hoping hopefully not in the future i'll be able to hunt all day every day but but i hunt every day people are like oh god you you got all these great pictures If you take the percentage of what days I actually killed turkeys and how many days I was actually out there, it's probably not so good. But it's just that's that's the difference between me and and most people is is um, I don't do anything different. I don't have any magical strategy. I don't have any special calling technique. And there's it's not a piece of equipment. My good buddy of mine said the other day um, we were talking about this because here again all I ever do is talk about turkeys um, or it's all I enjoy talking about anyways is everybody's wrapped up in all this equipment stuff, you know, the decoys, the, the snake proof boots, this, you know, this to camouflage here, this shotgun here, this, now don't get me wrong. Everything's important, but it's like, you know, I just wonder how many hours college football coaches spend sitting around the table talking about their cleats and their helmet and their shoulder pads. It just doesn't happen because that's not how you win the game. It's not the equipment that's out there. that's available. It's, it's, You know, it's how bad you want it and what you're willing to sacrifice to get it and how dedicated you are to see it through. But I just felt like that was a pretty interesting, from an outside looking in, like why, you know, everybody's kind of stressing about the wrong things. I think you hit on a lot of good points there, and I would encourage anybody, if you've got any kind of questions about hunting public land, go on over to oldgobbler.com and look up cove. On there, look up Dave and check out his pictures. I don't know who takes your pictures for you because obviously you got more than one somebody taking pictures for you, but there are some really, really good looking pictures. So I wanted to just throw that out there <laughs> mm-hmm. because I've seen, and I know you have too, and Rob has too, seen yeah. some horrible pictures of people with the trophies, <laughs> but yours, you, you <laughs> can feel you really take time and you take care. To present that turkey the right way, the way it should be, and you know, show it with a little respect, and that's some good-looking pictures mm-hmm. out there. I can't say much mm-hmm. for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're not really uh, that tight, yeah. but the turkeys are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that's one of those things, in my opinion, that's one of the biggest compliments you can you can ever receive as a hunter. Is man, that's a great picture because it comes all the way back around full circle to what we had mentioned earlier. In my opinion, you got to make sure that the turkey's always at the center. And man, I appreciate every single one of them. You talking about a a doggone bird that was born into this the woods where they were born at the size of a pack of matches is the most vulnerable thing is an egg, and they spent their whole life nervous, and they're willing to throw all that aside for a few months a year to scream from the ridges and give away their location to every predator in the doggone world on um, where they are just for the right to to pass their seed and, and you know, have the generations live on, and, and you're lucky enough to take part in that and, and hopefully disrupt it with a shotgun. So I appreciate every single one of them. I've never walked up to one and been disappointed. I don't care if it had a six-inch scraggly beard and bumps for spurs. A lot of people are, I think that quality deer hunting, for it, you know, the craze has everybody wanting an inch and a half spurs. And don't get me wrong, I'm fully, fully appreciative of when i do take a turkey that's of that stature and those kind of qualities and measurements on those spurs and beards and the 25 pound turkey don't get me wrong i'll never turn one down but i don't appreciate it more than the two-year-old that weighs 16 pounds half inch spurs and a little whispery beard every single one of them deserves the utmost respect and and those pictures are the way that i uh that's the way that I honor them is, you know, every single one of them that dies deserves its picture to be presented in a way that's tasteful. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is somebody that throws a turkey on the back of the tailgate and they don't spread his wings out. It's just not that hard to get at least a decent picture. And then for someone, for, to me, it's the ultimate insult is to just not care enough. To get a decent picture after you've taken that bird's life, you know, you think you have a bad day because you stomped your toe when you got up this morning on your way to get your coffee. That turkey's dead. You know, he had a real rough day. Yeah. So, I just I think telling someone that you take a you took a great picture is one of the greatest compliments as is a, is a, is a turkey hunter that you can give somebody. So I always 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 take the time to take a quality picture that really I try to illustrate what the terrain that they lived in. Is about and really just try to uh to take the time to take a quality picture and for my own memories and you know my own little scrapbook and and also like I said to, to inspire those people that are thinking about it even if it's just hunting the neighboring state you know man I've lived in so and so my whole life and I saw them pictures you took in there and talked about your experiences there man I'm I'm gonna go over there next year I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a whirl that's why you do it you know absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dave, thank you again, and I appreciate you taking so much time with us this evening. And, Rob, thank you, too, for making the suggestion to get Dave on the show and for the suggestion of the topic. I think it's just a great topic to cover. And I think a lot of people can get a lot of good use out of this call today. And thanks to both of you for giving me a good bit of your time. And I look forward to talking to both of you again sometime real soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It was, it was a blast. And, yeah, you can, uh, I appreciate the invite because I'm yeah. always available to talk turkeys. <laughs> well, I may hit you up on that again. So, absolutely. Guys, thanks a bunch. All right. Thank you. See you. All right, thank, you. thank you.
0: Okay. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview and got as much from it as I did. Be sure to go on over to oldgobbler.com and check out Cove's pictures and adventures on there. There are a lot of pictures and I really think you'll like them. Also, check out his videos on YouTube as well. You can go to YouTube and I think you can just type in Dave Owen's turkey hunting and it should pop right up. There's some great videos that he's got out there on YouTube. One last thing before I let you go this week. Some of you guys have fall turkey seasons about to crank up in your state. And I just want to remind you to share your successes that you have this fall with the rest of your turkey hunting podcast family by emailing your pick to me at pix at dot com. I'll send those picks out via social media and we'll make you a celebrity for the day. All right, that's all I have for you guys this week. Be sure to tune in next week as we will be dissecting pot and peg calls. Thanks again for tuning in. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com